This show may contain subject matters not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I am ready for a positive change in my life. I am looking forward to an energy shift that's about to take place. In this new chapter, I am bringing with me past lessons I have learned and nothing else. This is Lisa Riley. I'm here every Saturday to share stories that shine a light on justice-involved underdogs, their struggles, their successes, and the many resources and opportunities available for those who are hustling to carve a path back into society and prove that failure isn't final. So unlock your future, rewrite your story. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to The Hustler Files in our inaugural season here on WHMP AM and FM. And I'm really excited to introduce Madeline Fernandez. She's the Assistant Deputy Superintendent of the All-Inclusive Support Services Program with the Hamden County Sheriff's Department. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for inviting me. Very excited to have you on this inaugural show. Many justice-involved individuals are having to deal with multiple challenges when released from incarceration, including mental health, substance abuse, homelessness, lack of resources, and the skills necessary to develop and implement a plan for success. There is usually no one to turn to to provide encouragement and coaching to develop the skills needed to succeed in the face of setbacks. By providing employment resources, pre-release, and connecting individuals with work post-release, your department has the opportunity to break the cycle of poverty and recidivism. That is correct. So let's dive in on this. Tell us about your background, and then I want you to talk a little bit about the All-Inclusive Support Services Program. So Lisa, my background goal stems back from being with the department for 21 and a half years. I started off as a um, correctional officer, um, Actually, was a um, working in the community with individuals that were finishing their sentencing at home on an ankle bracelet, and I did that for eleven years before I transitioned over to AISS as a counselor, and then I moved my way up the ranks, and currently I oversee the operations of AISS. So, what is AISS? So, AISS is a reentry program. It's been around since nineteen ninety six, and sheriff, our former sheriff Ash created AISS for a reason, which was to be that connection between the community and individuals getting released from the community, getting released from the jail into the community. And the purpose of AISS was to provide the support services for individuals getting released back then, so that way people are getting acclimated back into the community as productive citizens in the community. So what we did was um, assist individuals when they were getting released with services such as employment, relief, employment, education, um, support services, anything that they needed that we can provide to them so that way they're going out to the community productively. So they're not going back into the community from where they originally came from or with no services, only to find themselves going back into the life of crime, maybe um, if a man dealing drugs, if a man, whatever ways they can do that to provide funds to get themselves back in jail only. So what we would provide is the services they need to hopefully get them back on the right foot. So what I find really fascinating about this is that we're here in Western Massachusetts in Springfield, Mass., which is a sizable city. The Hamden County Sheriff's Office was the first sheriff's department in the country to launch this type of reentry program. That is correct. We are the first in the nation. We've been around since 1996. And our department, when it first started, was like maybe like four staff. 
doing this type of work. Now we're looking at maybe 25 to 30 individuals in our building that actually provide these services. And I do, um, when I do get calls from folks in the community asking, like, where is there an AISS near my town or my county? And I say, well, there is none. We are the only one. I know Worcester has a very small AISS, um, but they're at the beginning stages where we are. But, yes, we are the first in the nation. And I find it kind of um, odd myself that nobody else has picked up on what we do, our model. So the numbers you gave me were that since your inception, AISS services has served more than 36,000 people. That's a lot of people. That is people. a lot of people, yes. You gave me some numbers here of 88% sought your assistance voluntarily uh, and 26% of the total people served were coming in from the community with no prior booking. So is that off the 36,000 or is the 36,000 including everyone who was incarcerated? The 36,000 is including everyone. So our program is a voluntary program. It's not mandated. Only probation and parole can mandate their individual members to come to our building. But everyone that's coming into our building, a majority of the, that number is people that are coming on their own voluntary time. Their services that we provide are much needed. So the fact that they're coming into our building on their own speaks highly. Um, we do work our, we now serve the community. So anyone, regardless of justice involved or can walk into our building and ask for our services. So, Madeline, walk me through the process. Number one, is this someone who's been already on trial and is now having to serve a sentence? Is this available to people that are in pretrial waiting for a trial to come about? How do you differentiate any of them or don't you differentiate any of them? We don't differentiate. Um, anyone that walks into our building, regardless, like I guess, um, like I mentioned, justice involved can come in there. We get individuals that are released from the jail. We get individuals that come in and are maybe on probation. We get individuals that have been arraigned and are now out in the community on bail and they know that there's a service that we provide that they might need. Um, a lot of times their attorneys will let them know, like, you know, before the next court date, go try to find a job, go, go back to school, go get yourself mass health or whatever services they need. And they know that AI says exists and they will send their clients up there. So we see individuals that are on pre-release. We have individuals that are, again, like I mentioned, on probation and parole. Some have been, have been arraigned. And we see also individuals that have no booking whatsoever. So I want to backtrack for a quick second just to make sure that we've set the landscape of what the Hamden County Sheriff's Department looks like. Um, you currently have about seven to 800 um, inmates. Is that about right? That is correct. Okay. And they're all male? Um, nope. There's a mix of female. We have the women's correction and we also have a male, a main male facility. Okay. So you do have a women's correction. Correct. It's located in Chicopee. Oh, it's in Chicopee. Okay. All right. So how many women do you currently work with? Right around a hundred. Okay. Are all of the justice involved individuals, men and women, are they considered low level, um, are they considered low-level offenders, or are they different levels of offense? Yeah, different levels. I mean, it, it, it all varies. It varies um, it, it varies depending on the time, I mean, guess. I mean, I can't say to you that everyone that's right now in our current facility are high-level offenders. I mean, we do have a mixed range of different people, but it, it varies at times. Give us a snapshot of what that looks like from, you know— someone who's in for waiting pretrial versus someone who's been arraigned versus someone who might be waiting sentencing for, unfortunately, a murder? 
Mm-hmm. So like I, so we have a variation of the individuals on both sites that are sitting there waiting. Some have been pre-trial. Some are sitting there serving their 2.5 years. We do have individuals that are sitting at both sites um, waiting with, you know, high crimes, sometimes just waiting for court to come up so that way they can be sentenced. So the, the charges or their limit of uh, whatever crimes are sitting there can vary on each site. But we do have individuals that are sitting in our jail currently and have been sitting there for a while waiting for the court to be heard with some serious charges. So, Madeline, I just want to clarify, because we are unpacking so much information before we go to break, that AISS is a program that is specifically for someone that's on parole or probation that's already left the system, left the sheriff's department and is going back out in the community, or it's someone that is 60 days out from getting released and they're into a reentry program and to see what's available and the resources and the housing and all of those services. Or on the third level, it's just anyone in the community who needs help with detox or substance abuse or housing issues or they need a job. Mm-hmm. The justice-involved individuals who are in your jail for their two-and-a-half-year sentence or up to two-and-a-half-year sentence, they get some programs, but they don't get the reentry programs until they're close enough to get out. That is correct, absolutely. Yeah, so our staff, when the inmate is getting ready to transition out about 45, if not maybe 55 days, they will go in there and start building that relationship, meeting the individual, overview of AISS, continue to have that relationship building so that way when the individual is released— they will know who to meet or we might even pick them up at the jail and bring them to AISS to begin that process of the intake. So that way we can build those um, initial services that we already talked about. So if you're in the jail and you're getting ready to come out, I'm already meeting with you. I'm already asking you the questions like, where are you going when you get out? Do you need help with maybe detox? Do you need help with employment? You know, I see that you were doing education behind the walls. What, what Do you want to continue that when you get out? I'm already building those relationships with you and knowing what exactly services you're going to need so when you come out, we can continue those services. Okay, good. I'm glad we clarified. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those type of services. And there's very many of them. But we're going to dig in a little bit on those. And I have a couple um, questions for Madeline about some of those services. So hang tight. The Hustler Files will be right back. The Hamden County Sheriff's Office is not your average law enforcement agency. Our correctional staff provide a firm but fair approach to corrections as we change countless lives for the better. In the community, Sheriff Nick Cochise's never-say-no philosophy has evolved the field of community policing, bridging the divide between residents and the unmet needs in our neighborhoods. If you want to help make the world a better place while earning a good salary with great health insurance, paid time off, and a pension, please visit hcsdma.org and click Join the team to apply today. We are back. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Hustler Files. And I'm here with Madeline Fernandez, who is the Assistant Deputy Superintendent of the All-Inclusive Support Services Program at the Hamden County Sheriff's Department. Um, Madeline, we've talked about a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time. Let's dig in a little bit on the types of services that you provide for reentry, and uh, then maybe you could share a success story with us because that is all part of this weekly show is that we want to share with our listeners uh, who is having success when they've gone through these programs that maybe it will help someone else both locally or even nationally listening on our podcast network. Absolutely. Thank you. 
So I do want to say that anyone that walks into AISS is going to have a case manager assigned to them. That case manager is going to begin that process with you from day one. Everything from sitting down with you, doing a basic assessment, finding out what services of need. And remember, we have to go back. I mean, that connection could have been made behind the wall in the jail. So when somebody comes into our building, I want to top the name. The first three things that they're looking for is assistance with employment, assistance with housing need, and assistance with community living needs. Um, everyone's different. Somebody can come in and say, I just need assistance with employment. We have folks that come in and say, I don't have a place to live. I'm homeless. And we have folks that just come in and say, I need my identifiers. I lost my social security card. My birth certificate was taken when they raided my house. So, I mean, they come in with a bunch of needs. Um, when I say um, a bunch of needs, like for instance, we assist individuals who are coming in that have no, no mass health. They don't have SNAP benefits. We have somebody that comes into our building and assists our clients with that. We have support groups, everything from anger management to parenting groups for parents, for women and men. We have grief and loss, trauma classes. I mean, we do our best to provide as many support services as we do. We want to call ourselves like the one-stop shop. You come into our AISS and everything we do, we provide mental health there. Um, we assist individuals with detox, um, needing a recovery coach, needing a mentorship program, connecting mentors and mentees. Um, everything from what it is to do an online application, doing a resume, cover letter, uploading a resume. I mean, we have individuals that come in there and have no clue what it is to turn on a computer. So we provide those trainings. I mean, any, like I mentioned, anyone can come in there with a specific need. But the three top needs that I know we are seeing is assisting with employment, housing, and community living needs. And um, sometimes clients come in there because they are trying to find employment on their own and because of their Corey background, it's hindering them from getting a job. We work with employers that are Corey friendly and they understand that the people that we're sending to them have a background and they're giving second chances. It's been a big conversation for years in prison reform that not everybody made the same mistake that got them into jail and not everybody should be treated equally coming out. But unfortunately, they are because of these Corey background checks. So my first question to you is, how do you get the employers from the area to agree to sign up to be a potential employer for someone who is post-incarcerated. And my second question is, how do you prepare that person that needs the job to go actually get the job and be a responsible person, individual, in, in actually a applying and then being able to impress the employer enough that they get hired? So to have the employers buy into what we're doing, it's not just like, hey, join us unless not. we do an amazing presentation we want employers to understand that individuals that are that we are referring to them some of them some of them have very basic records some of them yeah they do have some intense records but people do have um we do see a lot of people that come in there and say that was me 15 years ago and i'm having a tough time finding a job because my quarry follows me so how do i let an employer know that the new that the person in front of them now is a changed person i do want a second chance so we have an amazing team at aiss that's an employment team that go about knocking on doors um, making phone calls to employers and asking them can i come in and present to you what we do let, listen to what we do and obviously we're letting them know about success stories we do have plenty of success stories we have individuals who have never held a job in their life and are now doing holding a job for one or two years, calling us, letting us know, like, I'm doing amazing. We have individuals who have maybe been um, in recovery for a long time and are now clean and sober for five or ten years. We have 
individuals who have never had a check in their life, you know, to earn their money decently. And now they're saying, what do I do when I get a check? I don't even know how to open an account. We're teaching them what it is to do those things. So we have, oh my God, we have so many success stories. We have, I would love to for you guys to know that there are people that are leaving the jail and actually are doing the right thing and are actually doing well. I know of clients that are now working on their second master's. I know of clients that have earned their GED or their high set with AISS and now went to, and we assisted them with getting into Springfield Technical Community College or Holy Community College and are doing well and calling us back and saying, I got a job at probate court recently. Just want to let you know that thank you guys for the work you guys do. So, yes. But how we prepare our clients is because we have an amazing employment readiness life skill class at AISS. It's a three-day class. It's preparing the individual what it is to answer that Corey question when they ask you, you know, you did an amazing job on your interview. I want to do a background check. Do you mind? And that's an opportunity for the client to mention to them, like, I want to mention my Corey, but what do I say about my Corey? And not say too much, but be honest and be upfront. We prepare our clients what it is to have a resume, handshake, eye contact, dress properly. Our clients that are going through our classes are not just being prepared and off to get a job. We're assisting them with getting a nice suit donated from Springfield, Suda Springfield. Uh, we work with providers out in the community that are working along, alongside with us because the work that we do, we don't do it by ourselves. We work very closely with the communities and agencies in the community that are working alongside serving the same population. So we are doing a great job prepping our clients, ask, um, doing mock interviews, asking the questions that we know they're going to be asked. I myself, when I was a counselor and I was working with a client, uh, he was like, they asked me the same questions that were asked to me when I was prepping the class. I couldn't believe it. I did an amazing job, and I was very impressed. We work very closely with Mass Hire in Springfield and Holyoke. They are one of our service providers. They come in, and they're the ones that actually do the um, cover letters, resume, what it is to do an online application, what it is to upload a resume. So, yeah, that's what we do. So I am I recollecting that um, the question on ap- job applications, can you can no longer ask if you've served time in prison. Is that correct? That is correct. You can no longer ask that question. But what employers are doing is when they are meeting with individuals and the uh, interview goes well, they do ask. So I'm just going to run a background and I'll, I'll call you back and let you know how it went. That is an opportunity for our clients to really like that's the moment to speak up and say something. And we we letting them know what to say and what not to say. But be honest. We're not letting them know, like, don't mention anything about your Corey. We're saying that's an opportunity for you to say, I, I have a question. Um, I do have a Corey background. My information stems from maybe 10, 15 years ago. I want to let you know that that person back then is not the person that's sitting in front of you. And I would just want to let you know that I will appreciate a second opportunity and I would love to work for you and have you see me for the first time. And that looks like. I would think with the pandemic and the amount of people that have left the workforce that hopefully this would be an opportunity for a lot of people who have come out of incarceration, want to change their lives, to get training and to go work at so many of the manufacturing plants. Or um, I know J.P. Morgan Chase has a, a banking program for a lot of people at a, at a, that were low-level offenders. What's the response level from your your clients when they come back to you? Is it it's still a battle, right? I mean, not everyone is just going to wel- open their arms and say, oh, welcome in. How do you deal with those situations where, you know, you've done all the training, you've given them the guidance, and yet they're still struggling to, to get a job? What do you tell them? I mean, we are honest with them. We prep them for a couple of doors to be closing in, in their faces, but we also let them know for that door, it doesn't mean that you stop, you continue. 
we are connecting them with agencies that we know are going to eventually give them an opportunity. So one thing that we're not going to do is prep you for employment and then have you fail when you're going out there and all the doors are slamming you. We are sending you to employers that ahead of time that are calling us and letting us know, I'm looking for 10 individuals. I got 10 guys here. I'm going to send them to you. They do a case-by-case um, They do a case by case review to let them know in advance who I'm sending you with. So we've been working with employers for 30 years, and we're not just working with just any employers. They know exactly what we're doing. They know exactly who we're sending. We are being respectful of what they are not looking for. So if they say to us, like, you know, I'm being, I, I, I welcome your clients, but I'm being for specific as to maybe certain charges that they don't want, we will absolutely grant that. But I know that we do a good job with matching the individual with the job that is needed. So if a client comes to us and says, I want something in the surf, in the food, in the food, food area, we're not going to send them to manufacturing. But if somebody says, I want manufacturing, I don't want to work in the fast food department, I will, we will definitely do that. We have employers that are now hearing from other employers how successful this is and that they are giving people second chances. And after six or seven months, they're now telling them, I now want to hire you under my own my own application under myself. So I'm so that brings me to a question. Do you offer sort of a referral system to the employers? For example, someone hears this show and they think, oh, wow, I've thought about it. I'm really shorthanded. I I need to to get some people in. Uh, Maybe they're a restaurant, maybe they're a manufacturing plant. I mean, can they call your can they call AISS and talk to someone in your organization and say can you refer me to a couple other industries or companies that have used formerly incarcerated so I can find out what the process was like I mean will you do that Absolutely yes we have employers that refer other employers we have employers that speak to one another and to see how it works I mean it's like almost like passing on the good news so I might be a company that I've have worked with AISS, and I might let another agency know that, hey, I got some of my employees from the department of AISS. Some of them have records and some don't, and I'm doing, they're, they're doing a very good job. So it's just like one person talking to another, but yes. You, we meant, you mentioned earlier about some of, you had a, a client who got their, is on their second master's degree. Um, is there any, are there any barriers for these uh, justice-involved individuals to to go to college if they have a GED or even if they finished high school before they were incarcerated? Is is there any barriers on the applications or on them getting grants? So I know that, um, So for, as I mentioned, if you have been behind the wall and you were starting your education, you can actually, and you get released, you can actually finish up at AISS. We are a department. AISS does provide education. Um, there is a pretest that's given to you to see what your level, uh, level of education is, and that's how we figure out your your schedule. But yeah, but we have individuals that have earned their high set with us and want to continue on. We do assist with the FOSS application, what it is to go online and apply for application and then assisting with that. But for the selective service, you need to have that process completed in order to apply for financial aid. And without that, unfortunately, so we do assist our clients with finding out they did, going online, printing that out and applying that to the application. So yes, we do everything we can. And let's say you want to continue on to um, certificates, um, there are programs that are certificate-based offered at, at the local colleges. We assist with that as well. What is the best way for someone to reach out to AISS and your department? How do people reach out? So I'm going to provide you two contacts. If you wanted to come to our building, we are located at 736 State Street, Springfield, in the center of Mason Square. You can actually, the best entrance will be on Buckingham Street. If you Google 28 Buckingham Street, it'll provide you to our back of our entrance into our parking lot. 
But if you wanted to go into the department's website, which is um, Hamden County Sheriff's Department, I see hcsdma.org. And on there, you will there is a tab, I believe it says programs, and you click on there and you'll see AISS. And you can email us. It'll come directly to myself or maybe to the sheriff. That's how people actually reach in the sheriff and say, I heard of AISS. I need assistance with this. And those get trickled down to AISS and we go from there. Our um, intake hours are Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. Again, anyone can walk into our building and do an intake. If they come after hours, not a big deal. Somebody will be met with you. Somebody will meet with you and definitely do the intake process. Okay. And get you connected immediately. Thank you so much for, for being involved with this, for sharing the stories. We have a lot more stories to come as our season evolves and our, our year evolves. Um, I know you'll be back. You're going to try and bring us some success stories in person of people that have gone through the AISS uh, services and programs and come out on the other side a little bit brighter than when they entered. Absolutely. So um, I will look forward to definitely talking with you offline and We'll get you back in in the next few weeks and and start the success story. And um, thank you again. It's it's very enlightening and it's very encouraging. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. And I look forward to you guys listening to our amazing clients that have done successful stories and just have you hear their life journey, what it looks like after leaving the jail. Yeah, we're excited. We'll be right back with the Hustler Files. Employment, housing, identifying documents, addiction treatment, education, veteran services, and legal advocacy. They're all part of what we offer at the All-Inclusive Support Services Center of the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. We provide services to justice-involved individuals as well as the general public with the goal of improving community safety and the quality of life across Western Massachusetts. Don't let life's challenges lock you up. Be a step ahead. For a hand up, stop by 736 State Street in Springfield or visit us at hcsdma.org. Well, that closes out the first show of The Hustler Files right here on WHMP, Saturday mornings, 9.30 to 10 a.m. We're going to have a really exciting year ahead. There's so many great conversations that we need to have, we want to have. There's amazing people who have overcome so much to get on the right yellow brick road, as I call it. My favorite quote comes from author George Eliot, and I've lived by it for the last 20-some years. And that quote is that it's never too late to be who you might have been. And I think when we're talking about people who have had a rough time, had drug issues, been incarcerated, we have to think that maybe there's a chance they can come out on the right side from behind the wall. I'm going to read a quote by Lisa Buscom from Wildly Deserving, and I think it sort of closes out here our first show together. It's never too late to change your mind, to start again, to begin a new career, to focus on your health, to dream bigger dreams, to say sorry, to find love, to educate yourself, to slow down, to notice the beauty around you, to say I love you, to forgive, to love yourself a little more, to walk away, to make a wish. It's never too late. If you're 30, 60, or beyond, it's still not too late. It's never too late to discover more about yourself. It's never too late to be more you than ever before. I want to thank everyone who's tuned in. You can find this show on the WHMP website. You can also go to any of your favorite podcast networks and you can find The Hustler Files. 
new episodes from this show there. And if you want to reach out to me and send me some questions or comments, or you're looking for resources, or you'd like to connect with our guests, you can reach me at lisa at whmp.com. Have a wonderful week ahead. See you next week. 